And we're plugged in with more columns. Thanks for joining me today, Rick. Hey, yeah, thanks for having Rick me. Gross. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. I'm having a good day so far. Awesome. I'm so excited that you decided to take my invitation on coming on the podcast. Well, I am honored to get the invite, actually. I know how long you've been talking about this, and this has been a dream of yours, and it's really, really cool to see it actually come to fruition. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's so good to have you on the show today. Uh, when I met you, I think it was a little over a year ago, I was like, wow, this guy, he has a voice for radio. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to blame it on my uh, years of high school theater, I guess. So um, I just really enjoy, um, you know, talking with people. I've actually, you know, have stage experience. And yeah, I don't know. The, the voice is natural. It came with the body. So <laughs> that's awesome. I have a lot of theater experience, too. That's funny. So when I met you, I thought that you were in the fellowship a lot longer than you were and because I just felt this sense of you being so spiritually connected and grounded and genuine and just so positive. Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, I uh, have always been had a, a pretty strong st spiritual foundation. Um, and I always just find the joy in things. And honestly, it's a good and a bad thing sometimes. You know, I, I, uh, I try to be joyful. I look for the bright side of situations or circumstances that I'm in. Um, but at the same time, too, that can cause me to kind of turn a blind eye to some, you know, real issues that are going on either in my life or in those around me. So I've got to walk that fine line um, and be really conscious of, you know, the idea that, hey, I can be joyful. Um, and, you know, that comes from a place where, you know, I try to count my blessings um, as often as possible, but also not miss out on, you know, if I if I run into somebody who's struggling with something that I don't just move past that because I don't want it to, you know, affect my, my good mood or anything. So tell me how spirituality has played a part in your life. Did you grow up in the church? Um to present day, I mean, is it something that's been in your family? What's the story behind that? Yeah, actually, um, I grew up in the church. Um, you know, my dad was always in a leadership position at the churches I was at. Um, I grew up in non-denominational churches, so that just means we weren't affiliated with any, you know, specific sect or, you know, part of Christianity or, you know, you know, being a Protestant or anything. Um, and so I kind of always had that foundation built into me. And, you know, I, I actually went to Christian school and elementary school. And really um, had the foundation of who, who God was. You know, my higher power as God, the creator of the universe, has always been there. And um, as I got older, um, I, you know, really felt a tug to actually go into some type of position, you know, full time with that. But, you know, I hit, uh, hit my teenage years and then my 20s and kind of went off and did my own thing for a while. But, you know, underlying and all that stuff was always that foundation um, that I had all along in knowing who God was. So, yeah, my, the even though the spiritual side of me wasn't always at the forefront, even though that wasn't always something that <clears throat> I regularly acknowledged, um, it was something that was always there. Wow, that's awesome. So how did you get the opportunity to live your dream with the church now? Um, it's actually a really cool story. Um, so I had really felt probably since I was about 14 or 15 that I wanted to go into some type of full-time ministry position. I didn't know what it was. Um, and there was actually a period of my life where I was getting ready to go. I was actually going to go to like a, like a Bible college. 
Um, but there were some circumstances that I experienced at a few churches I was at and, you know, nothing that was, you know, personally detrimental, but I just watched some things play out where, you know, uh, churches were split and relationships were damaged because of poor decisions that people in leadership made. And then I watched how people within the church reacted to each other. And I was like, man, I don't want to do that. Like that just does not seem like something that, you know, I want to be a part of. So, um, you know, I went to school for a little bit that didn't really work out. Um, you know, actually did a little more partying than I did going to class and, uh, actually realized I got to a point in my life where I needed somebody to tell me what to do. So I joined the Navy and, um, in that, uh, you know, I was able to actually build some discipline, um, spent five years in the Navy. Um, after I got out, I moved back here, got a couple jobs and, actually joined a church probably about six months or so after I got out of the Navy and instantly just was like, wow, because I hadn't been really uh, deeply or actively involved in a church in probably five or six years. Um, and so I, I found this church and loved it. Um, you know, we had an amazing dynamic leader. It was, I hadn't experienced anything like that before. And so I gradually started this process again of being becoming more involved um, I looked for opportunities to serve both in and outside of the church and, you know, just started praying, you know, Hey, you know, I felt the tug, you know, back into ministry and uh, there were some circumstances that happened at a, at a job I was at. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall that I was going to be leaving. And, you know, I started, I'm like, well, I don't know what my next is going to be. So I started praying. I put out a couple feelers at some uh, friends I had made at the church and said, Hey, if you know anyone that's hiring, let me know. I just don't want to do sales anymore because I had done sales <laughs> for so long. And I had a person in leadership approach me and say, hey, so I hear you're probably going to be leaving your job. Would you be interested in a position here? And I literally got in my car and just started crying because I like I had already kind of had a conversation with God where I was like, I know that I'm not going to be able to get a job there because I don't have a degree. I don't have a degree in ministry, so I guess I'll have to go to college and then wait for the doors to open. And God was like, sorry, I, I got different plans for you. So they offered me the job. And about two months later, I was able to step into a position. Actually, um, my first position at the church was in the finance office. And um, I'm actually an extrovert to like the thousandth percent. So I love being around people and I love building relationships. And I, I love the energy from that. But um, I got to a point where um, I'm sitting in an office all day staring at spreadsheets and numbers. And I can function there, but that's just not my sweet spot. So they actually moved me out of the role I was in and I got to serve with volunteers and, um, I, the church I was at, you know, prior to COVID, we had about a 250 person volunteer team that I got to lead, um, at our main campus. Um, and it was such, it was awesome. I loved it. I love the people I served with. Um, we were there to create a welcoming environment every Sunday. So we got to serve the people that came in, whether it was coffee or just saying, Hey, and a high five. And it was really, really awesome. And, you know, I, I tell people, Every day I go to work, it's my dream job. Like, and every day is different. My personality is one of those where I don't like the same old, same old over and over again. So I get a job where literally there is nothing that's the same. Um, so now I'm uh, living a, a dream that I had and I love every day I go in. I love the people I get to work with and I just love the, the purpose and the mission of where I'm at. That's amazing. So how does this fuel your recovery. Now, I mean, we've talked about the relationship and how your higher power is so personal and amazing to you and more blessed, right? I'm into that. But how has this made your recovery so deep and just, 
you know, other than going to 12-step program, how have you taken your job and made that a stronger part of your recovery? Does it overflow? Does your cup overflow into your recovery from your job? It absolutely does. Um, What's interesting is that as I actually tried the 12-step program a couple times, and each time I wasn't ready. Um, I went in and I picked out everything that just didn't line up with what I believed or what I thought. And, you know, nitpicked all these things and said, well, this isn't what it is. But I actually had a friend of mine at work when I decided to say, listen, my life has to change. I'm tired of damaging the relationships that are closest to me and I need to take active steps and it's worked for other people. So I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to, I'm going to step into this hundred percent. And friend of mine lent me a book and it was all about digging into the spirituality behind uh, the 12 steps. And what I found is that looking at the 12 steps, first off, it lined up perfectly with what I already believed. It lined up perfectly with the person that I was already aiming to be with my relationship with God. And it dug even deeper to show that really the 12, the 12 steps aren't just how to move out of recovery from the addiction of a substance or anything. It's actually how to be a good person. It's actually how to be a good functioning uh, member of society in a way that you're lifting other people up and you're putting others before yourself and you're owning the things in you that you know aren't spo- aren't right in there and, and repairing relationships that are broken. And when you do something wrong, realizing that and stepping in and, and looking to fix whatever that is. So as I dug deeper and deeper and further and further into that, I realized, oh my gosh. So they actually walk hand in hand with each other. And it's so neat because... I've had an opportunity to share my struggles with people at the church. And it usually comes up in conversation where somebody just shares a moment or something that they're going through. And I get to look at them and say, Hey, I I know what you're doing. I'm actually struggling with the same thing, or I'm struggling with something very similar to that. And it's so cool to see that connection. And, you know, I believe that because a lot of times you'll hear the question like, well, why does God let bad things happen to people? Or why does God let bad things happen to good people? And, you know, God allows us to function in the world that we're in and we experience good and bad things. But in those bad things, it actually creates connection points between us and others that gives us these genuine opportunities to look at somebody in the eye and say, I know what you're going through and actually mean it. That's awesome. That is such a spirit spiritual connection. So one of the reasons why I wanted you to do on the show is to show people that the spiritual side of your recovery is so important. Whether your higher power is God or whatever it may be, you can't just go to meetings. You have to sink your your soul into whoever or whatever your higher power is to really feel that connection. Because at the end of the day, when I picked up a drink with 10 years clean, I wasn't talking to my higher power who I call God and saying, and praying and saying, please, God, take this urge away from me and let me pick up the phone and call someone in recovery. So what you're explaining is going to give someone the, the inspiration to get connected spiritually outside of a 12-step meeting because meetings are great and awesome and everything, but I'm talking about being plugged in outside, using the 12 steps, being plugged in, and living your dream, right? So because of your your role within your spirituality and your recovery it ultimately to me sounds like it mended a lot of relationships if you don't mind me asking a little bit how did it help with your family like your wife and your kids in that relationship 
Well, over the years, um, my addiction has had caused a lot of uh, friction and it caused a, a divide between my wife and I, um, especially in the area of trust, because a lot of what I was doing, I was hiding from her, um, you know, along with everybody else, my parents, my friends, um, you know, people that um, were I was in accountability relationships with, you know, close friends, you know, brothers, people that I would call brothers. And I wasn't inviting them into that because I didn't want to change. Uh, because I was letting the substance take over and, and rule what it was. And, and it really did cause a lot of damage. I mean, this last time I remember the way that my wife talked to me, she's never talked to me that way before. And I was really fearful that that might be the end of the relationship. And I'll tell you that I believe that if both of us didn't have a solid spiritual foundation in God already, I don't know that she would still be with me. Um, because I, just brought so much dishonesty into that relationship. And, um, you know, it's taken a long time to build that back. Um, and, and, you know, you can lose trust in an instance. It just takes one thing and all of it's gone and it takes forever to build all that trust back. So I've been little by little putting, building that trust back with, um, with my wife, uh, her name's Jen. And, um, you know, luckily by the grace of God, Jen has given me that opportunity to, to gain that trust back. Cause I know, there's other people that walked in my shoes that didn't have that same opportunity. Um, and, you know, I, I just, it, the hard thing for me was I couldn't believe that somebody that I loved and cared about so much that I would treat this way. And I had to get to a point where I wanted to do everything that I could to make sure that that never happened again. And so, like you said, just outside of the meetings, the meetings helped a lot. Um, people that I knew were going through the same thing that could relate to what I was saying and, you know, for so long, I just sat and listened because I knew that I needed to gain uh, wisdom and knowledge and experience from people that had gone before me in it. And then I started to live it out and, and little by little take and, and move through the steps. Um, and I did that with the help of others. But I also had to be open and honest with people outside of any type of 12 step program. Um, my coworkers, you know, there are people that I work with at the church that hold me accountable, that ask me questions. And see, the tough thing about accountability is, you know, it's something that everybody needs, but it, it's something that we don't all want. You know, we don't want people to ask us questions that we don't want to answer. But I need that because it keeps me honest with myself. It keeps me honest with my wife and my family. And it keeps me honest with the people that are around me. That's amazing. There's a lot of forgiveness too, because your wife's not in the program. So she has to be able to... Um, reap the benefit of you being in the program like they used to call meeting self-help groups so we have that benefit of the free therapy that 12 steps provides you know I'm currently going through a little bit of grief and a little bit of trauma and uh, I'm not ready to go back into the church yet because then I'll see the families right and then there's part of me and I'm just sharing a little bit of my truth um, that feels a lot of guilt about when I was using that God wasn't with me. And I remember going to a church and praying one day and saying I was how sorry I was to God for being an addict, right? And then when I came back into the church and met this man that was one of us, you know, in recovery, and he started his own church. It was really cool. They had their own motorcycle club and all that. I got baptized. So I was baptized Catholic and then baptized again Christian as an adult. And I felt like my higher power never left me. Even when I thought that I left God, God was with me. And 
you know, maybe I'll get to the point where I'm ready to come back into a church atmosphere and be able to deal with the grief and loss. I know you've had some struggles with, you know, loss recently and stuff like that. How is the, how has your spirituality been able to um, have you carry on and, you know, relieve that, that anxiety and the grief and the pain? How do you deal with that on a spiritual level? Well, first off, I mean, it, grief is never easy to navigate through. Uh, and for me, you know, a lot of times I would use something to kind of cover it up because I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel bad. I want to always feel joyful and happy. And so I would often use something to kind of cover that up. And so I had to, I had to really learn or relearn how to process through honest emotion and that it's okay. Um, but for me, I just know that God is always with me. Just like you said, um, I found in my life, you know, I, I walk with God and then there's times where I wander away and it doesn't happen all at once. It's these little tiny baby steps that get me there. And so I take these little baby steps and all of a sudden I turn around and I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> this isn't where I want to be. I want to be over there. And, but it happens so incrementally that I don't realize it. So what I've had to learn to do is to go back to those places where I remember feeling the presence of God and, and dwell in those moments too. And, and when I need to restart, those are the places and the points that I restart from and then move forward in my relationship and just know that. But, you know, God has been a comfort to me through those tough times. Um, through the loss that, you know, that I've felt and suffered over the last year. Um, you know, God has been uh, an overwhelming presence. Um, you know, it's been, in, in some ways, an audible voice, not maybe not necessarily like, you know, they show in the movies with like the booming, like, I am with you, not like that, but it usually comes through other people, through the relationships that I have and the encouragement that I get from others. Um, you know, I, I, I got to hear so much, you know, because I ended up posting things on social media and the, the uh, outpouring that I had of care, people I hadn't talked to in years, you know, sending their condolences and, and care and and thoughts and prayers were, were just really comforting. And just knowing that, you know, people, I think deep down, people really do care about each other. We don't have always the best ways of showing that. But I do believe that deep down inside, somewhere in there is that. So, um, you know, obviously, I had to, to relearn basically how to process through the, the grief and process through those negative emotions because it's just not something that's natural or that I want to travel to or dwell in. Uh, but it's been um, a, a good experience. I grew stro grew stronger through some of those things as well. Um, and, I, and I learned things in myself and, and, and mechanisms that I can use too when I get to that point and people I can call and talk to that I know is going to be a constant source of encouragement that's going to you know lay things out or, or make things clear sometimes when I try to make them muddy. That's awesome. So where do you see yourself in, the f in your in the next few years within the church, your role, or do you have like a, come on, tell us the secret. Is there a plan uh, of I mean, what's next for well, you? Well, it's not a secret. I, I don't mind telling anybody. So, you know, the way that our church is set up is uh, we actually have multiple campuses. Um, you know, we have uh, a, a hub church where we broadcast out of, and that's where the messages come from. But then we also have satellite campuses because our uh, we realized, you know, and it's so weird, like we live in St. Petersburg and people won't travel more than like 10 minutes anywhere. It's so bizarre. You know, people that live in other states and other cities, they'll drive 25, 30 minutes sometimes to get to work. And then, you know, you live in St. Pete. It's like, hey, yeah, we're going to go to Tampa, like Tampa. Oh, my gosh, it's so far away. Like a 20 or 25 minute drive is all of a sudden this big, long thing. So we decided that we wanted to plant campuses where people are at. 
And one of the things that I would love to do is be a campus pastor one day. I would love to be able to lead a campus of people. Um, I feel like God's called me to that. Um, I love building relationships with people and getting to know them. Um, I love listening um, to where people are at and then trying to help them get to what's next for them or to help them get through something or to walk through something. Um, you know, one of the things that is kind of a good and a bad thing, you know, that I've, that I have to figure out how to harness too, is when I listen to people, um, when I hear who they are and when I, I do that, I gotta, I gotta be careful to kind of live in that moment a little bit and not move past it too much. And also just not go in w- trying to give them a solution. It's about listening and, and, and being there just to listen and, and offer some advice that they need it. But that's my hope. One day I'd love to be a campus pastor at one of our, one of our campuses. What do your kids think of this? Uh, of you are you superhero um i mean i think my kids like me right i mean uh, my, <laughs> i got a 12 year old so he is like on the the verge of being a teenager but um i mean i, I love my kids um i have a wonderful relationship with them i've got two boys 12 and 9 uh they bring me so much joy uh, you know my actually you spoke about getting baptized my oldest son came to my wife and i about a week ago and said he was ready to get baptized and they're doing a thing at our church at the end of the month and I was elated to hear that, that he's taking that step in his relationship with God. And my youngest son is, it's so funny because my oldest son is an introvert. So he just kind of wants to hang out by himself sometimes. But my youngest son is just like me. He is a, he's a feeler, he's a hugger, he's a cuddler. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I mean, by all indications, I believe my kids like me. They might have something else to say, but I'm almost positive that they that they like me and they love the job that I have. You know, they like uh, my, my, actually my oldest son, we've been at this church now for a little over 12 years. And when we started, my son was three months old. And now my son just started serving in the kids area that he grew up in. Like it's, it's my mind's blown. Just, I can't believe that much time has gone by, but it is really neat to see him living out his faith in that way. And they say the kids are a product of their parents. So when I was growing up, I didn't really realize that until my kids are, I have two boys, one's 15 and one's 12. And when people say, oh, your 12-year-old's such a good kid, you're doing such a good job with him. I was just like, okay, people are making small talk. But they, they really are a mirror of the way that we grew up and you know, I was always told that, you know, go to church and praise God on Sunday and, you know, do the right thing and all that stuff and uh, do unto others as you would have done to you. You know, like these little cliches that were actually great prayer, right? Prayer into action. So when I met you, I just had, there was a magic about you. I could see you leading a church. I would love to come. I just, I think that you embody what is done outside a 12-step program as far as living that spiritual dream in a soft kind way you're not coming at me and saying hey more you know like you know I'm a holy roller and all this stuff but just the way you are and your compassion towards people it's a positive infectious thing so for me, positivity breeds positivity, right? So the way you treat someone is a contagious thing. So when we're in a meeting, let's be positive because it shows a newcomer the program works. So how do you um, spread that positivity within the church, much like you do in a 12-step program? How do you go about, about that? 
Well, one of the things I, I mentioned earlier is God created me in a way where I'm an extrovert. So I get energy from being around people. Yes. And being around people, it just, it brings me so much joy. And I just try to, to live that out. But to be honest, it's not just how I'm wired. I've realized if I try to do something that's outside of my higher power, if I try to do something on my own effort or in my own power, it, it I usually burn out. It's usually something that um, I can sustain for a little bit, but then after a period of time, I'm just not able to, to, to go on anymore with it. So I, I actually had it backwards for a really long time. And I think a lot of people do, especially when you start talking about God and when you start going to church and it's this idea of like, well, I have to do all these things. So then God will like me more or I have to do all these things. So then I'm a good person by God's standards. But actually what, for me, the deeper that I got in my relationship with God and, and with me, it's actually, you know, relationship with God through his son, Jesus, the more that, that I've, I've lived in that, that stuff just comes natural. And I think that, cause I've tried it the other way where it's like, I had all these like things going on. And so I've got to go fix all these things. And I've had people that I invite them to church and like, well, I got a lot of stuff I got to take care of before I come back to church. And it's like, well, do you like going and try to fix your car before you bring it to the mechanic or do you just bring it to the mechanic and let the mechanic fix it? Um, and so I, um, I know that when, when I'm with people, it just brings me a lot of joy and I see, I, I get joy experiencing that joy in other people as well. Do you, that's amazing. I love that. The joy part, right? Oh, that word, we don't use it enough. Right. So that being said, do you do Bible studies? Are you into that? I do. Um, so I do some on my own. Um, I, uh, have the, the Bible app and, by far, that's the best tool that I've seen because you can get on your phone. It sends you reminders. You could do anything. You could do a book. You could do a topic. You could find something that's geared towards a demographic. Um, but that's a really easy way to do it. But I actually, because I grew up hearing the Bible all the time, and I remember one of the things that I heard over and over again was, well, the Bible is the living word. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me because the words are the same on the pages all the time. But what I found is that the words don't change. I change. And so I could hear something 99 times and on that 100th time, it means something completely different to me because of a situation or a set of circumstances that I just went through. So yeah, I, I lead some, I actually lead some at our church. So there are some groups that I get a chance to lead, which I love. And I've actually been doing that for, oh man, probably the last eight or nine years. Um, wow. I love teaching. That's like, we actually have classes, uh, a set of four classes that we do just to help people understand who we are as a church and kind of describe to them the landscape of opportunities that they have to invest in their relationship with God through our church. And I get to teach those. And it is one of my most favorite things to do because once again, I'm a theater kid. So put me up in front of people and I'm <laughs> going to enjoy it. But also I love being able, I try to communicate the passion that I've been able to experience and seen other others experience so that other people can be captured by that as well. So plug the church, go ahead, give us the website. Yeah, so actually, uh, I am a full-time staff member at Bridgepoint Church. It's uh, bridgepointfl.com. Uh, we have three, actually three campuses. We had a couple campuses, and then COVID happened, but now we actually have three campuses. One of them is about ready to open in Seminole. We also have one in the Tyrone area and one in downtown. That's awesome. I'm going to have to check you out. Yeah, please do. In yeah, person. Absolutely. Because I know a lot of people from recovery that talk great things about the church. So I'm really excited to check that out. And uh, if you had to give a hope shot out there, 
to a newcomer, someone coming back, someone that is listening that maybe isn't in recovery, maybe they're a parent of an addict or someone that's not sure, what would that hope shot be as far as the connection with your higher power or in your recovery, um, finding your way back into a spiritual lifestyle? What would that be? The first thing, the first step that I had to be willing to take uh, is submission. I had to recognize that I was a broken person. But that is not something that comes naturally to people. Uh, for me, I had pride and ego that were constantly, you know, battling against it. Plus, I had that little tiny voice in my head that said, you can't tell anyone about that. Because if you do, you're going to lose your status or people are going to think less of you. Or, oh my gosh, what if they know that this about you? And it's that voice that just stays there. So we continue to suppress and hide those things mm. until sometimes they bubble over or sometimes they start to bleed out into other areas of our lives. And that's what causes us so much headache and heartache. And that's what damages the relationships and people around us. So I, if I could say anything, it would just be regardless of where you're at, just recognizing that we're all broken. Every one of us brings brokenness into relationships, whether it's something that we caused ourselves with, from choices that we made, or sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes our brokenness comes from circumstances that we were in. But either way, I believe that God designed us to interact with each other and build relationships with each other so that we could identify that brokenness in each other, but then find that wholeness in relationship with him. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you again for inviting me. I'm, I'm honored really, to be here. Thank you so much. I Maura. appreciate it. And I love you, my friend. I love you too, Maura. Thanks Thank for you. joining us.